Welcome to Let's Talk Fleet Risk, a podcast for those who manage drivers and their vehicles and want to reduce road risk in their organisation. Welcome to this month's podcast. Um, With me this month, I have Dave Conway, who's the Integrated Management Systems and Road Safety Manager for FM Conway. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you. Now, that, that's quite a mouthful, that job title. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit more about uh, what that role entails and how you got into managing road safety for, for Conways? Fundamentally, my role is to look after the business management systems of the company. So initially, I was looking after quality management and then environmental systems, health and safety systems. And somewhere along the way, a road traffic safety management systems became available as a certifiable framework standard. Uh, and I got involved in that uh, and uh, I became beyond passionate about it, really. Uh, and so much so that it's, it's now such a large part of my job that we, we changed my job title to reflect it and added that. So it's, it's um, the, the management systems. You're, you're not a fleet manager. You're not a driver manager. You're, you're no, more no. about setting up the, the systems and the processes through which you manage the risk. Exactly right. And that is what it is about. And I'm a great believer in systemic solutions to most problems. Safe system is the key, particularly with road safety. Uh, uh, and that's really where I come from on this. And it does mean I actually have the advantage of being independent of the transport and logistical operations that enables me to take a much better view on, on how they're doing things and to be able to prod them with a different viewpoint without having to worry too much about the, the normal business considerations. Um, how, how, just give us an idea of the size of the, the fleet that Conway o- operates then and what sort of vehicles they are. These days, I think our fleet, and it's changed a lot through the past two years, but I think we're looking at around about uh, 1,100 vehicles, ranging from from an HGV fleet um, uh, of about 400 vehicles. And those HGVs can be, be a low loader, an articulated low loader, or an articulated tanker vehicle or, or bulker vehicle right down to to four-wheeler and six-wheeler tippers. We then have a fleet of about 550 vans. And then on top of that, we have about 80 company cars or grey fleet. And by grey fleet, I'm talking about cars that are are privately owned, but funded by the business to do, do mileage on behalf of work. So that's pretty much the breakdown. So it's a little bit of everything. If it hasn't got wings, we, we tend to drive it. So because that's such a mixed fleet, um, I, I guess uh, there's a, a number of different people within the business who all their work has an impact on, on road safety because you'll have fleet, you know, fleet managers, driver managers, operations managers, transport managers for the, for the HGVs and stuff. Um, how, how do you work with the fact that that responsibility gets shared within the business across so many job roles? How do you ensure that everybody understands what their responsibility is and that they're all pulling in the same direction? I think really this is the benefit of management systems. The, the, the aim of the, the, whole, the whole purpose of the management systems is to have systems that everyone can work through and follow process and procedure 
regardless of whether they're running a couple of lorries or whether they're running a, a patching operation on a, on a street somewhere in town or whether they're running bulkers around the M25 delivering aggregates or bitumen. If everyone is working to the same management system, we can ensure consistency in, in terms of our output and we can ensure that everybody's following the safe, same safety standards and, and, and doing the best we can. I think that's the approach. Yeah, uh, did that was that challenging to to get everybody pulling in in the same direction? Yes, sometimes it, it's not so much challenging to get them pulling because you, you can speak to anybody in the business or anybody in the business and say, "How many people do you actually want to kill today on the roads?" And they'll all say, "Look, we don't get up in the morning wanting to kill people on the roads or anywhere else." However, what they have are different priorities. They want to get their job done. They want to be as efficient as possible with their work and, and so on. And so the challenge is appreciating their other priorities whilst getting them to follow road safety management systems. And I think as long as you can be empathic towards some of their other issues, you, you can deal with it. And you know, at the end of the day, the best system is the one that everybody wants to follow. If it's easy to follow, they will follow it. So you have to make a system that suits everybody and can work for everybody. And, and is that something that you approach them, I guess, when you were designing those systems? Uh, how important is it to get feedback from the different areas of the business so that you can build those concerns into your processes? I think it's absolutely imperative. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll have a framework for your standard. You'll know what elements need to be in there. But when you want to work out how you're going to do it, the people who are expert in doing it, or perhaps in not doing it, are those guys actually on the ground. It doesn't matter if it's a quality system or an environmental system. You have to speak to the people doing the work and say, this is what we're trying to do. How would you do it? What's your... And eventually you can come to a consensus and you can determine which are the best usable methodologies and put them in place because there's no point in putting in something that, that that's not going to happen anyway if it needs to be policed it's not working you've got to put in something that is the right way to do it and they're just going to do it that way because it makes sense to do it without policing Mm. So did, did you get driver input into those systems as well then at the start? Throughout, yeah. I, I mean, essentially, when we started establishing our, our 39,001 certified system, we set up a working group um, and, and the whole system is, is run by the group. And to this day, it's still done that way. We have a working group that run the system and we have people from management, people from the board, and drivers and driver supervisors all sit on this committee and all get involved with, with how it's done to make sure that all of their thoughts are, are uh, allowed for. So you, you mentioned ISO 39001, and I know you're a, a big advocate for, for that. Um, you, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and why you chose that as a standard that, that, that Conway was going to embed into the business? Essentially, 39,001 or ISO 39001 is a management system framework standard, the same as 9001 is for quality or 14,001 is for environment. 39001 is a management system for road traffic safety. And it has been our experience and indeed the world's experience that certified management systems work. 
they make a difference. There are dem demonstrable benefits for everybody and very few downsides. How we got into it is, <laughs> yeah, it's always an interesting story, this one. We received a letter uh, back in 2012. Transport for London were one of our key customers. And we received a letter from Sir Peter Hendy, who was at that time the Commissioner of Transport for London. And he had essentially commissioned a piece of research by the Transport Research Laboratory into why cycle crashes and incidents in London seem to be dominated by industry vehicles and he sent us this report I think it was 700 odd pages of report and investigation by the TRL uh, and it had come up with a number of recommendations and we were asked to endorse and support the recommendations uh, and buried within those recommendations was adopting a formal framework management system for your transport operations, such as ISO 39001. And that really was the point we embraced it at. And at that stage, I was the guy who, who did our management systems. I hadn't even heard of 39001, so I did what I always do. I went and bought the book, I read the book, I saw what the book said we had to do, and I did it, not realizing that we would be the first. And, and that's really how I embraced it. And, uh, and again, it, it's you know, how did I personally get involved? I've spent most of my working life railing against some aspects of health and safety, saying that why, why are we worrying about health and safety at work when you're more likely to die driving for work or driving to or from work? And all of a sudden, here was a system that, that actually supported everything I was saying. And I, I really had to embrace, embrace it with a passion. And, and, and here I am still doing that. <laughs> so you were one of the first businesses to achieve ISO 39001 accreditation. And, and if you did that in 2012, obviously, you've, been, um, you've, you've had that in the, in the business for sort of close to 10 years now, haven't you? So what, what's been the benefits to, to FM Conway that, that you've seen that you can categorically say that's because we had that management system in place? I think fundamentally, uh, and I'm always mindful of the fact that if you're going to sell these things into a business and persuade a business to adopt them, there needs to be a business case. So I really can't overstate the business case. Within the first year of adopting the system, we found ourselves with a £56,000 reduction in our fleet insurance premium. That sum of money paid for certification to 39,001 for the next seven years. So there is your business case. If you're running a system like that, you will have less accidents. You will have less crashes, less injuries, less costs on maintenance. You'll find that your drivers drive better. And if they drive better, there's less wear and tear and less fuel usage. So from a business point of view, absolutely amazing it will make money simple mm -hmm. as that it will not cost you money there are a lot of road safety systems out there and i'm not going to quote other systems out there but i can tell you from experience they will cost your business a small fortune and i speak with a lot of people and say why don't you adopt 39001 and they say we'd love to but we don't have enough budget left because we're a member of this other scheme and it costs us so much money, we can't afford to do training, let alone 
anything else, uh, 39,001 will not cost you money. Yes, there will be some costs, but I promise you, you'll get every penny of that back through business improvements. And that's that's the real fundamental reason for having a system like that. So we, you outlined earlier the types of vehicles you run and the number that you've got. It's obviously a, a, a sizable mixed fleet. So what what are the what are the challenges in running that fleet that you think um, that kind of management standard helps with? If, you, if you're not running a management standard like that, what are the sorts of issues that a business is going to come up against and, and typically find it difficult to manage without a system like that in place? Certainly for us, even with this system, our biggest challenge is the drivers don't consider themselves drivers. We have a large number of HGV drivers that we call professional drivers. And these are the guys, if you meet them for a drink in the pub after work or you bump into them in the street and you say, what do you do for a living? So I'm a driver. And that's their profession. And they take a pride in that profession. They're a driver. And say, I'm a good driver. You know, and you speak to anyone who says, I'm a driver for a living. Say, oh, I haven't had a crash for 33 years or I haven't been in. in you know, and they take a pride in that. What you also have is a large number of drivers who don't think of themselves as drivers. They think of themselves as bricklayers or asphalters or curbers or ground workers who actually have a vehicle that they drive to and from work every day and at work. And they may be moving themselves. They may be moving their colleagues. They may be moving some machines or some tools or some materials. But you ask them what they do for a living, they don't even think about driving. And they'll take pride in their work, but they will forget about being a driver. And the challenge for us is to make those guys appreciate that driving is an important part of their work and their job. And they should take as much pride in being crash free as their professional driver colleagues are. That's the challenge. It's one we are still working on and we're, we're still striving to get there. But I think we are getting better. And by having a management system in place as we have, it enables them to see the successes that the professional drivers are achieving. And it gives them something to embrace and be, be involved with as well. Because when you get the certification, you can take a pride in it. And we all get it, even the pedestrians. So we're... What, what have you tried to implement within the business to try and encourage that culture of professionalism? Well, I presume it's the van drivers because the HGV drivers, like you say, they, they view themselves as professional drivers because that's what yeah. they do. So with, with the other drivers, how, how do you get them to view themselves uh, and, and their driving as, as a sort of professional element of the role that they need to take as much pride in as their, their main role? I think primarily it is through through our certifications that we can spread that pride. But we, internally, we, we have some pretty good marketing approaches. We have good communication channels. And every time we do something in respect to road safety, we publish it, we win awards, we get prizes and so on. And we will boast about them a lot to try and encourage that sense of pride amongst all employees. Uh, we, we also have a few um, processes in place to, you know, it, it's stick and carrot. So we do have a few what I call stick processes in place to try and ensure we maintain the standards. But we, we much prefer using a carrot and saying, look, guys, take some pride in this. 
Uh, and I like to think that, that FM Conway are, are internationally recognised these days for the standards we set with road safety. Uh, and I've had people come to us from South Africa to see how we do it. People come from Australia to see how we do it. People come from New Zealand. And that's not bad going for a, a small private family owned business. So it's not as small as we once were. <laughs> that, that all sounds great so do you how, how do you recognize drivers how, how do you do the carrot bit how, how do you encourage them certainly within the professional drivers it, it's quite easy we actually have a professional driver recognition scheme uh, we introduced this several years ago as an initiative we call it the gold hat so essentially when a driver reaches a certain standard and to get to that standard he has to have gone so many hours without any incidents with his vehicle it has to be clean he has to get recommendations from a couple of the people he delivers to that he's a good guy etc etc he has to do a certain amount of training and he'll work his way up from a bronze to a silver to a gold hat and essentially these guys get given an actual helmet in that color that they can wear with pride when they arrive on site and they can get out of the cabin they can put a gold helmet on and of course, as with all of these things, you turn up on site and you get out of your lorry with a gold helmet um, and everyone takes the mickey out of your gold helmet until you respectfully remind them that along with the gold helmet is a very significant salary increase that is self-funding. And that's the nice thing about it. We pay them more money if they have a gold helmet, but the scheme is self-funding because the money they're getting paid is the money we save by not having the incidents, by having the better miles per gallon and so on. So like all good initiatives, they fund themselves when they work. Yeah, and it sounds funny, funny and worth making a joke about, but actually the ones that haven't got the gold hat want the gold hat, don't they? And they'll exactly. eventually strive to get one. <laughs> exactly. And as I say, you know, it's there. Give the guy something to take some pride in. And, and, and I think that is a key factor. Uh, and I think that's a key lesson when for anybody who's trying to improve a driver culture, it, it's it, it's better to encourage people to be better and give them something to strive for rather than constant totally. stick all the time, isn't it? Because that totally if you works. nag and you poke and you prod all the time, people just turn off and get worse. Uh, and we found certainly with the professional drivers, the encouragement and reward and respect made the difference. But well, that's much harder to do with van drivers. And unfortunately, we do have to focus a bit more on the stick. But we try to do it in a positive way. And in fact, one of the things we, we've introduced recently for our van drivers is uh, the Samsara system we've introduced. It's a live link logistics, uh, sorry, telematics system that has cameras both in and outward facing. Um, there's some artificial intelligence involved with those cameras. So if the camera detects that you are using your phone or you haven't got your seatbelt on or you're clearly distracted, then it actually sends an immediate alert to the line manager, literally instant, who can then yell through the system back to the driver, Oi, put your seatbelt on. Mm. Yeah. Now, we don't want that to be a stick. It's just there so that we, are, we, we know the drivers know they're being watched. Uh, and unfortunately, there will be a few people who don't like that. Um, but those are probably the people that, that will be the most concerned. 
That, that leads me nicely on to the question I was going to ask you next, which was about data, because if you're running a driver recognition scheme, you need data to, to gauge whether or not they're, they're improving or, or whether they need sort of interventions. So, and you mentioned the telematics and the camera systems and stuff. So you've plainly got a lot of data coming in from that. So how important is data management and measuring and monitoring what's, what's going on within the business? Well, monitoring and measuring is a fundamental requirement of any management system, quality or whatever. And we're required to do it for, for road safety. Um, and, uh, we, we want to do it in, a, in a, a positive way. So we're trying to find the good in, in things. But yes, we do have data. It is logging over speeding events. It's logging harsh braking events. It's dogging shots, swerves, and so on. So the system is there to monitor this stuff, and we'll keep track on it. But we try to be positive about it. You know, we're not using this data as an opportunity to give people a hard time. We're using it as an opportunity to address the issues and talk with them about their issues. Now, we've got a couple of, of initiatives we've introduced, one of which we're very proud of is our, our e-training system e-learning for drivers and, and everybody who drives for us has to undertake an online driver risk profiling exercise and it's based loosely on the advanced driving test and basically everyone who who drives for the company be it a, a company vehicle or or a, a grey fleet vehicle like myself we all have to do this driver risk profiling online it takes about 20 minutes um, and it identifies those areas where you are more at risk than others so you can come through with a set of green lights which means you're, you're pretty good in every respect or it might identify that you have a weakness in hazard perception or a weakness in your technical knowledge and so on and as a result of identifying that the system will then assign you online e-modules to undertake okay so from there we can actually focus the training specifically on the guy's shortcomings um, and we will there'll then be a short test at the end of their doing that course to check they've met the standard and they'll have to repeat it if they haven't met the standard and so on on all of our drivers do that every year so we're able to track not only that they're doing it and they're getting the training but we're also able to track that their scores year on year are better and that's the most important thing now that's that's one use of data but what we're looking to do as this this samsara system takes off and we gather data we're hoping and this is a wish at the moment we haven't got there yet but we are hoping to identify those people who have ongoing speeding issues and we all do it i've been there you know I, I speed and i can remember doing a speed awareness course as a result of a speeding issue and having done that course i think it's fair to say i probably went eight or nine months before i i had a speeding situation again and the courses are great they're like an epiphany but they wear off eventually the urgency of the situation becomes stronger in your mind than your memory of that course and what we are trying to do at the moment um, is establish who the common um, speeders are 
and develop either e-training modules or virtual reality training modules that are equivalent to a speed awareness course and put our drivers on that at the first opportunity so that we can tackle them before they have to go mm. through legal process. It's, it's just trying to be a step ahead of, of the game there. Mm. Uh, and as I say, we're working on that at the moment, and that, that's one of our more exciting initiatives. So how, um, with, with the, the driver profiling or risk assessment sort of system, how, what's been the driver response to, to, to doing that? And, and presumably the, the tailored e-learning that comes off the back of it, do they respond well to it? Um, I mean, the, the way of the world is that all people understand they have to do the occasional mandatory training. Um, again, without wanting to mention names or other systems out there, I think we're all aware of the, the, the most commonly used um, fleet management um, service, and that has e-learning within it, and drivers are required to do two modules a year. But we found in practice with that that the drivers were doing the same two every year because they knew all the answers and they could just do it in minutes flat. And I think, to be fair, Yes, there's always a bit of resistance to having to do a bit of training, but people that have done the training come away from it and say, actually, that's pretty good. I learned something there. I didn't know that stuff. And you say, well, that's why you did that training, because the system had determined that you didn't know it, and that's why we've given it to you. So, so there are positives. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's no more resistance to that method of e-training than any other e-training they'd ever have to do. <laughs> the um, you, you talked about your professional driver recognition scheme. Yes. Um, what, what other sort of interventions or initiatives have, have you got that you're working on as a as a business to try and improve driver safety? We've got a few. I mean, the big one at the moment is it's about the same time as the Samsara one. This is at the moment for the professional fleet, for the big trucks. We, we've for a long time had sensors on the vehicle to detect objects on the near side and far side and endeavour to cover out the blind spot problems and so on. And we've, we've had sensors fitted. And, and what we found was that certainly through an urban environment, there were so many objects setting these sensors off that it was not unknown for drivers to disable the system. Um, now, I have to make it clear that if we ever caught a driver actually disabling it, we would have to have a serious word with him, but we're, we're not silly. We know and understand this was happening because you could drive down a crowded high street and this bleeper would be going off every three seconds. Um, so what we did, we worked hand in hand. Am I allowed to mention firms by name? Yeah. yeah. We, we worked with a company called Brigade for over a year. And in fact, they had a couple of our trucks and they installed computer servers in the passenger seat of the trucks to gather data and so on. And they have now developed with us and are now selling a system that we're putting on all of our trucks, which is intelligent sensing. And, and these sensors will actually look at any object that is moving in the vicinity of the truck and determine and extrapolate the route that object is going and the route we're going. And if they detect a potential collision, will actually slam the vehicle's brakes on. So, yeah, 
that that's going to make an enormous difference. We, we think that is just incredible technology and we're very proud to have been involved with that. But, but that sounds like a really good initiative because what one of the problems with with some vehicle technologies is you know it, it can false alarm or, or trigger uh, a number of times when you don't when, when it's not necessary and that exactly. uh, damages the driver's trust in the system and potentially right. encourages them to turn it off so yeah. for you to have developed something that's a bit more intelligent and yeah. then the drivers don't turn it off it means it's always on and always there when it is actually needed isn't it Exactly. Yeah, and we're very proud of that. Uh, and we've developed systems with auto stop. Currently, we're using them on site rather than on highway. But for example, our sweepers that we use around around asphalt surfacing sites and so on are all fitted with auto stop. If an object walks past the reversing sweeper, it will slam the brakes on. If you've got a loading shovel working around an asphalt plant, someone moves at the back of that loading shovel, the brakes are slammed on. And we're looking at that technology and trying to make it so you can operate it sensibly and safely on road transport. You have to be very, very careful because mm. you can't just go installing stuff that's going to slam the brakes on on the truck every time. So, so we are looking at that. But again, this is another initiative we see has, has a, you know, a lot of mileage in it. Yeah. Um, we, we talked briefly about the, the massive insurance reduction that you'd had. And obviously, that's one of the key uh, elements of the business case for doing this kind of stuff. But are there any other sort of key benefits you've seen uh, as a business from all these, um, all this work that you've been doing? I think the most significant is just the sheer reduction in crashes and injuries. Uh, I mean, we monitored it. It's, it's one of our regular things we have to monitor and measure in, in accordance with our 39,001 system. But there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that since we introduced the system, the number of incidents plummeted and the number of incidents involving injury plummeted you know and, and that's the key factor I, we, we had one there was a two-year plateau at one point where we identified that we had stopped improving and we we looked very long and very hard as to why that was we found the solutions um and implemented them and continued with the downward trend so yeah in, in those respects that's that's the big benefit and as i say if your drivers are driving safely if they have a sense of pride in that they're driving safely and that as a fleet we're operating safely then then you'll find you get the benefits in terms of of the the costs of maintenance of that fleet as well and our maintenance costs actually went down even though we were doing more of it it, it sounds quite paradoxical but because we became much more systemic and much more controlled in our, in our maintenance approach, we found that each time it went in for maintenance, there was less work to do than if you did it on an ad hoc basis. And that makes a huge difference at the end of the vehicle's life as well, doesn't it? You, it's, it's life maintenance costs are much lower. It's, yeah. um, you know, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah. So, and it, there has to be a business case. We all take safety and health very, very seriously. But at the end of the day, if you run a business that is extremely safe, 
extremely healthy, but losing money, the business won't survive. There must be a sound business case for it. And, and um, you've got a case study on our uh, the Driving for Better Business website, which outlines yes. that as well and outlines some of those business benefits. So uh, I'll, I'll put that a link to that in the show notes so uh, others can read it as well. Now, the, the final point I wanted to just talk about was FM Conway's headquartered in Kent and yep. a lot of your work uh, is done in Kent. Um and you obviously take road safety incredibly seriously as the whole company. How, how important is the reputation for, for a business like yours within your local area of, of being a responsible transport operator? Well, Kent is our home. You know, where we see ourselves as part of Kent. Um, a very large number of our employees, our residents of Kent, ratepayers of Kent, and we feel like we're part of Kent and we feel we're involved with Kent. Uh, and, you know, with, with corporate social responsibility and requirements, we try to support local economies. We give work to local businesses where we can we buy from local suppliers. And at the same time, we want to look after our colleagues and our friends and our neighbours within our, our own county. Uh, and even I, you know, I'm a Kent ratepayer. I live in Maidstone, I have a family, and I want to know that my family can go out on the roads of Kent and come home safely each day. So it's important to me, it's important to all of us. Kent's our home, we're proud to be part of it. I, I think that's brilliant. I think, the um, yeah, re reputation is, is something that should concern any business, especially a business you know like yours, where you've got the name plastered in three <laughs> foot high letters down the side of your vehicles, it, it's, yes. it makes a huge difference, and it doesn't take much for that reputation to be tarnished, does it? So exactly. Uh, funnily enough, I, I you know I, I had a meeting in the office the other day where we were talking exactly that loss of reputation, and as I said earlier, I'm very proud of the reputation that Conways have got in terms of road traffic safety. We, we are internationally known for it, but that does put us a little bit on the pedestal. And what it actually means is because we have that reputation, we have to work that little bit harder. Uh, and I'm proud to do that. And, and, and it gives us some motivation and some incentive. Yeah, no, I think that's really excellent. And it, I, I can see that that's paid dividends uh, for you throughout the business. And it does it focuses everybody's minds as well, doesn't it? So, Dave, that's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. If, if anybody would like to uh, quiz you um, or hear a little bit more about what you're doing, you're going to be on the panel discussion we're running at the health and safety event in Birmingham, aren't you? So I'm looking um, forward to it. That's at the NEC, it's the health and safety event at the NEC in Birmingham from the 5th to the 7th of April. The panel discussion you're in is titled Good Practice in Driver Safety Management, and it starts at 10.30 on the morning of the 7th of April. So um, if anyone would like to, to come to that and hear you and a number of other uh, driver safety managers, um, risk, uh, road safety managers, talk about the good practice that they do and how they meet some of the challenges, I think you'll find that a very worthwhile discussion uh, to come and attend. It's at the Driving for Better Business uh, Driver Safety Zone, uh, the health and safety event, and I'll put links to that in the show notes as well. Dave, thank you very much for your time. It's fascinating, as I said. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Fantastic. Thank you, Simon. 
If you manage drivers and their vehicles and you face similar issues to those discussed in this podcast, there are links in the show notes to some useful resources on the Driving for Better Business website, and these are all free to access. If you enjoyed the conversation, please don't forget to hit subscribe so you know when the next episode is released. And please also give us a five-star review as this helps us to get up the podcast rankings and makes it more visible to others who might also find it useful. You can follow us, that's Driving for Better Business, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And most importantly, please help us to spread the word. All our resources are free for those who manage fleets and their employees who drive for work. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Fleet Risk and I look forward to welcoming you to the next episode. Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.